What's up? It's episode 103, Pain Points of Wealth, and the Fed just doesn't want us to have a good time. Jay Powell, again, talking extremely hawkish in his comments as we're recording this. However, we got a hot job market, unemployment still staying extremely low, close to a 50-year low as we keep adding jobs. Wages continue to go up as this economy is still on solid footing. So should we be rooting for a bad economy, rooting for a good economy? Well, we're going to tell you what we think today. We're going to give you our view on the economy. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about end-of-the-year tax moves, end-of-year financial moves you can make to make sure you're on solid footing. we got a great show. Check it out. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Well, you know what, guys? I think Jay Powell has become the little boy that cries wolf because, you know, last time he got on, you know, he upset the markets. The other day he got on, markets got upset for a second, but now they're going back up again. Well, you know, he's one man. I think it's, um, I asked him in our market commentary last week, you know, show us the love, act more like a dove. I asked him one question. It's like he takes it personal. He got really angry. And, you know, it's like he almost hates the economy now, hates the market. But yeah, it's not our fault that, you know, he didn't listen to us a year ago when inflation was raging out of control. But I think, you know, what you have to see now is that we're starting to see inflation start to come down. You're starting, look at the housing markets. It's totally slowed down. Mortgage rates are going up. But meanwhile, you know, the market's forward-looking. And remember, guys, if you want to be wealthy, you got to be patient. And you can't stay in the market and be impatient. And I'm starting to see a lot of people get impatient. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's only been nine months or 10 months into the year now. And that's really, in, in the scheme of things and in investing, that's a very short period of time. But it's just like we manage this stuff on an incremental basis. And to your point, Bob, it's maybe just human nature, but we do. We're just like very impatient when it comes to investing. Because, I mean, only a year ago, we were in a bull market. So, you know, nine months or 10 months of a bear market, and all of a sudden, people are tearing their hair out. It's actually kind of crazy. Well, it is because, you know, stocks are driven by earnings. And, you know, what's happened this year is earnings are actually up. You know, forward earnings, you know, they're starting to come down. But meanwhile, the price earnings ratio, in other words, how they value stocks, what you're willing to pay for a dollar of earnings has come down this year is why prices have dropped. But, you know, a lot of folks were thinking third quarter earnings are going to be bad. They're actually very good. And that's what you want to see. You want to see companies continue to go out there and continue to make earnings, make profits. And again, guys, you know, companies are run by people. People want to improve their best situation, and the situation improves if their company does better. Now, it's a great point. And the other thing I would mention here, guys, going back to almost like our first podcast, we talked about the great rotation. You know, we talked about how tech wasn't going to be the place to be. It was going to be more your older school industries like manufacturing, energy, utilities. They're all going to do better moving forward. And it's actually started to happen. I mean, if you look at the markets the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, last year, tech is just getting taking it on the chin every week. I mean, it's like the opposite of what it used to be, where every week you'd hear about mega cap tech just crushing it. And it was just like trees kept growing to the sky. Now you're seeing the exact opposite. And I thought it was very symbolic last week. At one point, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, old school industries like manufacturing, railroads, all of a sudden had the same capitalization weighting as Tesla. And it's number six now in the S&P. So you're starting to see all those big tech stocks fall out of the top five, or top 10, we'll call it. And now you're starting to see those older school stocks creep in. It's actually happening. We're seeing a great rotation. 
it seems like the only thing this disruptive technology is disrupting now is the performance in the average investor's portfolio. And they're doubling down. Yeah, a lot of people are doubling down. And, and let's face it, Elon Musk is a lot sexier than Warren Buffett. But investing is not about sexy. It's about results, right? You want to buy companies when they're great values. And value stocks have been a great values. I mean, small cap values only selling at 10 times forward earnings. You need to compare that to the S&P 500, which is now 15 times forward earnings. So, you know, you have a lot of value in other areas of the world. Look at international. Look how cheap international is, guys. Yeah, it is. And Bob, just for the record, I don't want a calendar of Warren Buffett or Elon Musk on my wall. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think either of them are handsome men. But, you know, I, I think that's a great point. And like you think about like Coca-Cola this year or Pepsi, right, where they keep raising their prices because their prices have gone up, right? And basically, even overseas, where the dollar is actually really strong, it's bad for their earnings over there, they're still exceeding what everyone's expecting their profits to be. So you know, what you're seeing right now is companies that have pricing power that can raise their prices and people are able to pay those prices are doing the best. And meanwhile, you look at tech, it's like all those massive growth numbers are slowing down, like in the cloud. If you look at PC sales, they're going down in competition. Like if you're Facebook right now, you've got TikTok you know, breathing down your neck. So it's just like creative destruction always happens. We don't know how it's going to happen, but whatever you love and you think is the best, it's not going to be the best forever. Well, you know what? I think a lot of the things a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of those companies you mentioned, Riley, Coca-Cola, you know, they're part of those dividend aristocrats that have consecutively increased their dividends for 25 years in a row. You know, that's not atypical. You know, companies increase their dividends over time. Companies become more profitable. And that's what makes the stock market viable. Well, guys, you just define why stocks, equities are the ultimate hedge against inflation. Companies are able to take these increased costs and pass them on to the consumer, right? They don't pay the increased costs. You do. And if you have a good brand, people stick to their brands. I remember in 2008 doing seminars down in Florida, you know, to our, to our newer clients and asking them, you know, oh, we're in a really bad recession. It was called the Great Recession. Did anybody stop brushing their teeth? Of course, nobody did. I said, did anybody change the brand of their toothpaste? Nobody did. Everybody stuck to the brand, you know, that they love, whether it was from Procter & Gamble or Colgate. And that's why these companies are able to not only absorb these costs, but increase their prices and ultimately increase their earnings. Well, you know, I think somebody stopped brushing their teeth. I wouldn't get too close to Ryan if I were you dead. You know what? I'm really into the El Natural look now, and it's, I think it's really benefiting me. People stay a little further away, but you know what? My hair's so natural now. But, you know, I think, you know, the interesting thing here is, look, the consumer drives the U.S. economy, and that's exactly what you're seeing is people are still paying the higher prices. And that has a lot to do with the fact that the employment market's strong. People still have money in their bank account because of that big stimulus that they received over the last two years. And you're looking at growth in the economy. We know it was positive again last quarter. So if you look at it objectively right now, things are actually pretty good. And you know, everything you're hearing in the media about how everything's about to fall off a cliff, it's just not happening. And you know, trying to figure out what the Fed's going to do. How many times is Jay Powell going to raise interest rates? How long are they going to keep restrictive monetary policy? You know, we don't know, but they don't even know. So it's kind of like it's a mental exercise in futility to try to figure that out. Meanwhile, if you just look at this, you get rid of all the noise. We have a healthy economy and people have jobs like that's a good thing. Well, it sounds like to me, Brian, what you're really describing is it's time in the markets, not timing the market. Let's just take, you know, the Federal Reserve's conference call the other day. I mean, in the course of a half hour, the market went up 400 points from what were perceived dovish comments to close down 500 points. So that's virtually a thousand point swing, right? Thousand points in a period of two hours. You're going to invest in that mess? You know, give me a break. So the whole idea is that this short-term volatility tells you nothing. And trying to game it or time it is so futile, it's ridiculous. And meanwhile, 
When you have a diversified portfolio, you're making money every day, right? Your dividends accrue. Your interest is accrued. You earn it. It's yours. And you get paid to wait. And my God, you know, if you're 60 years old right now, you're invested now for the next 30, 35, 40 years because one of you, one of your, one of the spouses is going to live another 40 years. What matters doesn't matter what happens in the next 30 seconds or the next three hours. What matters is what happens in the next 30 years. Yeah. And that's actually a great point. Like in a, a year like this, where you have extreme volatility and markets are down, but you're compounding your money at like the best time you possibly can because prices have been lower this year and they've been all over the place. And if you have cash flow that you keep buying shares and you're buying at lower prices, like that just adds to your performance later on. It's hard to see that when you're in the moment like you are right now, but it's kind of like, man, oh man, like don't let a bear market go to waste because all of a sudden, like the snap of a finger, the Dow Jones was up 14% last month. No one saw that coming. You don't get that return back. And let's just say, I don't know if we're there yet, but let's just say we've seen the market bottom and we go into the end of the year really strong. We know when we had the midterms, typically markets do really well. Well, all those bears out there, they were telling you to get out. Guess what? They didn't tell you to get back in. And that's the problem with that approach is they never tell you when to get back in, Bob. Well, you know, that's true. You know, Chris, uh, you always talk about Bobisms. Well, you know, here's a Ryanism we haven't heard in a long time. The obvious trade is always the wrong trade. And the obvious trade, at least from you know, my friends and clients that I talk to all the time, is that, Bob, why don't we just sell all or everything we own and get into three-month treasury bill at 4%? We can make 4% guaranteed. How's that not a good idea? Well, meanwhile, you can get 4% dividend yield in international stocks at you know, 11 times forward earnings with 9 10% a year upside. So it sounds so good. It makes you feel good. But, you know, the obvious trade, as Ryan always says, is usually the wrong trade. And the right trade, based on what happened in Rocktober, right, as you said, up 13%, was to be long. If you weren't long last month, you were definitely wrong. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 103, Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I literally have been doing this for over 75 years collectively. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally, at any stage of your journey. But... If you saved over a million dollars and you want a more hands-on approach, every week, Bob, Chris, and I run our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything. We're going to do a deep dive of all the investments that you own. We're going to look at all the hidden costs in your portfolio on those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, show you how to reduce the cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. We're going to put together a full game plan, give you our tax playbook. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and hone in on every issue you need to address today. We're going to look at an income plan if you're getting close to retirement, how you're going to draw from your portfolio. We're going to do a full expense and budget to make sure that you're on track for your planned financial independence. And we're going to look at diversification. Is your portfolio getting hit hard this year as markets are all over the place? Are you sitting in cash, earning nothing, trying to figure out what to do with your money, paralysis by analysis? We'll put together a full investment game plan to show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan or financial independence plan, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's time for the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And we got a very, very special guest on our show today, my colleague, Bob's colleague, Chris's colleague, certified financial planner at Payne Capital Management, Mr. Aaron Dessen. Some of us call you Aaron. What's up, brother? Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure to be here. Pleasure's all ours, Aaron. It's all Chris's, actually. It's all Chris's pleasure. 
And Aaron, you know, this is the end of the year. It's tax time. This is the time to really look at your portfolio. And we're like, you know, into November now. So it's kind of like there's not that much time left. I thought we could talk about some of the pro moves that we use with our clients at our boutique firm, Pain Capital Management, some of the strategies we use right now at the end of the year that our listeners can apply to their portfolio to really optimize their portfolio for their financial independence. Sure, yeah. Um, one of the things that we like to do towards the end of the year, and actually with a volatile year like we've been having, have been doing throughout the year, are tax swaps. You know, over time, these investments are going to have a lot of embedded unrealized capital gains and, you know, we'll need to take profits and their taxes to account for. So whenever we can do some tax loss harvesting, it really saves folks a lot of money on the back end. You know, guys, this is going to be the biggest year ever for tax loss harvesting. When you look at the only thing that was up this year was oil, the dollar, commodities, and cash, right? So any investment, no matter how quality, low quality, long-term, short-term, long duration, short duration, everybody's got something they can swap in their portfolio and you'd be a fool not to. Well, you know, it's funny. I was uh, talking to a client of mine last week and we were going through his account and he was pretty upset because the account's down this year. I said, but look at the bright side. I saved, we saved you $118,000 in taxes. He said, how's that? I said, well, we went through and we looked at every swap we did this year and timed it by what he would pay in taxes on capital gains. And that's what the number came out to be. Well, that's a nice thing, right? Because you have flexibility. If you have a capital gain on some real estate property, maybe, or maybe you have another investment elsewhere, you have a big gain on, well, now you have the flexibility to use those losses and you can carry them forward and you can kind of use them on your terms. So it is that that one silver lining. And with a tech swap, you can go into a like investment. So you don't have a market timing issue, which is also critical, right? You can buy one ETF, buy a like ETF, not the exact same one, book the loss because the tide's down. When the tide rises again, you're still invested. But now you can do whatever you want with those losses, which is like just a great flexibility to have when you're trying to do optimal financial planning. You know, one of the things that happened this year, and there's only old dogs like me that have ever seen it before, we had bear market and bonds. We haven't had a bear market and bonds in 40 years. You guys have no idea what it was like growing up in this business my first 10 years where every bond I bought every year went down. I mean, think about that. Every single year, I spent the whole month of December for 10 years doing bond swaps and didn't have to do another one until now. 40 years of profits. Dad, is that back in the day when you went to the office uphill both ways, barefoot in the snow? I think that was the time, right? Absolutely. And bought a shirt to change into because I worked at the nine o'clock at night. It's something you guys should learn to do once in a while. Didn't they call you Bond Fund Bob in those days? <laughs> <laughs> Never. Yeah. Another awesome tax strategy, great at the end of the year that no one looks at is Roth conversions, right? So if you have a big IRA, a retirement plan, you know at 72, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. The government's going to force you to take money out of it. Well, if you have a year where you're in your low tax bracket now and you're before age 72, you can convert some of that money, ideally at a lower bracket, talk to your accountant about this, and you can go into a Roth IRA, literally pay the taxes now, and then you never pay taxes again. All that growth is tax-free. Your heirs inherited tax-free. You know, I feel like it's not exploited enough, but that Roth conversion is just a huge opportunity that you can utilize. Well, you know, you just listen to the government, right? Do they want to raise taxes or lower taxes, right? If I ever hear one more time, I'm not paying my fair share, I'm going to jump out this window. I mean, look at the oil companies. The oil companies shouldn't be rewarding shareholders who risk their capital. They should be paying us to buy gas or these different things. You know? So you, you look at the tax situation in our country, and they're looking at your retirement balances saying, man, I can't wait to get my hands on that. So you got to do everything you can to protect yourself. Look, we all have to pay our fair share. I agree with that. But don't give them any of yours. Amen, Bob. Preach it. Preach it. Aaron, what other strategies are you doing right now with your clients just at the end of the year here that our listeners can benefit from? 
Another big thing that we're looking at, you know, we talk about taxes and required minimum distributions are charitable contributions from retirement accounts. A lot of folks don't know you can do up to $100,000 a year. And if you're giving that right out of the IRA to a charity, it's completely tax free. You know, another thing is making sure that you're maxing out your retirement plan contributions. So if you're in a 401k, 403b, you can put as much as up to $20,500 a year if you're under 50. And if you're over 50, you can put as much as $6,500 a year away for a total of $27,000 a year. So you want to make sure that you're maximizing those as much as possible. You know, what should be lost on anybody is when it comes to investing, it's emotional. We're all emotional human beings. And every single one of you at some point, whether it's this bear market or the ones we've had in previous years, is you stop making the right decisions, right? You stop contributing to your 401k. I'm going to wait till things settle down. Or you go into cash and get out of your portfolio. So, you know, when markets are down, that's the time you want to maximize your benefits. And you're absolutely right, Chris. Every single one of you should be certain that you're making the deadline this year to get the max in, you know, from your company match, from your own contributions into your retirement plans. It's the best tax shelter, only legal tax shelter available. And I'll say this, and, and I know, Aaron, you see this all the time, and we look at like 50 portfolios a month. We probably probably see more volume than any firm out there with every strategy out there. It's just like those little tweaks that you do, right? When it comes to tax, when it comes to the portfolios that make the biggest difference long-term in most advisors are just too lazy to actually implement, you know, some of these like small tweaks, but they make all the difference in the world, right? Yeah. And in a year like this year, I mean, it's been volatile. It's been pretty miserable, quite frankly, but this is the best time to do some of these things. I mean, think about a Roth conversion, for example, you can move a lot more shares at the same dollar value. And next year, two years, five years, when the market starts to recover, it's really going to pay dividends. Yes, you'll have this huge amount of money that's tax-free. Like, don't be lazy right now. And if you don't have a, an accountant or advisor that's talking about these things, like, call them up. Tell them to get on your account right away because this is what we see all the time. It's just like lazy advice where none of these tax issues or these small tweaks you can make, that are just going to have a huge impact on your life later. And I swear, it drives me crazy. And this is why we do so many reviews is because we just find these little things and we just tick them off, you know, one after another. And it literally is a difference between paying a lot of tax later and paying very little tax later. But you have to have someone who's keeping an eye on this. And the other thing you got to remember, it's uh, we're done with Rocktober's over. For now, we're into November, coming to December, near the end of the year. It's only three weeks to Thanksgiving, believe it or not. You know, it's time to do your RMD. I always wait till the end of November because, you know, you have to withhold taxes. Why give the IRS more of your money to work with, you know, for 11 months when your money could be working for you? And it's, you know, you have to have a really specific strategy of harvesting what's ripe in your portfolio. Don't pull out those green shoots at the roots. Let them grow. You know, if you manage that RMD correctly, you can enhance your performance dramatically. Yeah, and another great way to save taxes, and this is really uh, what I would call undervalued, is the health savings account. You can make those contributions pre-tax. As long as it's used for qualified healthcare expenses, the monies in those accounts grow tax-free. You know, again, great way to save taxes and a great way to pay for healthcare expenses, which we all inevitably have. And again, talk to your accountant, make sure you're eligible for all these strategies, but you have to be on a high deductible plan. So there's, there's definitely nuances around everything, but clearly there's a lot of different proactive moves you can make at the end of the year. Don't waste time. Like you have two months left. This is the time to start looking at it and you can really start to exploit where you can legally, I'll emphasize that, take advantage of the tax code in your portfolio and you'll thank me, Bob, Aaron and Chris later. I almost guarantee it, but I'm not allowed to say that word. So, Chris, why is Ryan flying down to the Cayman Islands this month? I think that's a healthcare expense, Dad, and I think he found I was able to use his HSA for that. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Shorter flight than Switzerland. <laughs> 
Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 103, Pain Points of Wealth. We have over 100,000 downloads. We appreciate all your support. Your support helps us continue to do this podcast. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please give us that five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about this episode, thoughts that you have, uh, anything that you want to talk about financially speaking, we're happy to address. If it's on Spotify, you can like, you can subscribe to the channel. And if it's on YouTube right now, please like this episode. You can subscribe to our channel there and click that notification bell to be updated every week of all our new content. We do this weekly. Your support gives us the ability to continue to do this. Thank you for your support. Hope you're enjoying episode 103, Pain Points of Wealth. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance. Random financial facts that may surprise you are even shock you. All right, Bob. Alibaba Holding Group, a data-driven colossus in retail, logistics, lending, and more, has generated $89 billion in free cash flow over the past five years. And the equivalent in the U.S. would be Amazon has only generated $75 billion over the last five years. Still a lot of money. Yet its shares are lower than their debut price back in 2014. Alibaba's market value of $168 billion is just a sliver of Amazon's trillion dollars. There might be some opportunity in China, Bob. I don't know if I should say that, though. Well, there absolutely is. You know, all markets are cyclical. All markets go from being overvalued to undervalued. And you just saw, you know, make it tech get overvalued. I mean, this time last year, a lot of those stocks, so the whole category was selling at 38 times forward earnings. Even Amazon today is still selling at 90 times forward earnings, where you have China and emerging markets, you know, in general, selling at their lowest valuation, I think, since I've been in business. So, you know, they always tell you to buy low, sell high. Well, here's a good idea. Buy low. Emerging markets are cheaper than the U.S. Bob, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to look at this in a year. If you're wrong, we're going to have to replace you with Aaron on the podcast. All right, Chris, since March, gold has slid 18.3%, far worse then global stocks only down 8%. Gold isn't a hedge, not against inflation, stock weakness, or even war. It's a commodity like pork bellies, and it will trade on supply and demand for it. The drivers of that demand are a lot less predictable than simply saying gold is a hedge. I'm so tired of hearing about gold. Well, you know what, Rye? I have a gold coin that I've had since 1988, and I just thought it'd be a fun exercise to find out what the return was on that coin. And I figured it out that it's had a 1.6% annualized return adjusted for inflation since in the last 34 years. So not so good. I'm a little disappointed because all those gold commercials in between those business shows, they're just so compelling. Like I just want to have a whole, I don't know, closet full of uh, gold coin collections. But you're telling me it's not a good idea, Chris. All right, Aaron, Americans' average financial assets amounted to 155,000 back in 2008. At the end of 2021, just last year, Assets climbed to $349,000 on average, an increase of 125%. And it's not only Americans who can look back on a long decade of rich monetary blessings. Worldwide, per capita wealth rose almost as fast during this period to $47,740 per person. Even around the world, people are getting richer. That's right, right? It's pretty remarkable if you look at it. And I think, you know, it's an emotional game and people are really quick to forget. You know, going through a year like this year, we think that things are just getting worse and only going down. But, you know, look at long term, where are we going to be in another 10 years? Probably going to see a tremendous amount of growth from where we are right now. My prediction is Chris will have at least five boats by the end of this next decade. Might go from the sailboat to the yacht. Oh, he'll definitely have a yacht. He'll definitely have a yacht. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob, we'll end with a music question. 56 years after its original release, The Beatles' Revolver, which is one of the greatest albums of all time, could be at number one on the Billboard 200 album charts again, thanks to the new stereo remix of the album. Hey guys, I remember 
listening to that album in our living room, you know, because your grandfather had this really fancy cabinet record player because he used to listen to the big band era. And he used to come in and say, will you turn that crap off? He said, the only great music ever made was made when the big bands were out. You should, you know, stop listening to that. And I always said, I would never tell you guys, you know, say that because I thought my dad was so wrong. But here we are, Beatles Revolver coming out 56 years later, number one. I got to say it, guys. There's never been better rock and roll than the 60s and the 70s. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were more of a, a Lawrence Welk man, Bob, back with the big band era. <laughs> oh, my God. Some nights I had to sit there and watch that with, uh, you know, your grandparents. I'm sure with a good scotch, it was an enjoyable night. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Aaron, thanks for being with us on the show, my man. Thanks for having us, guys. It was great. That you get the best voice, man, that deep voice for podcast and radio, you know. Our deep pain voices can't even compete. Mom always says I have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell yourself sure. You're a handsome man, Aaron. All right, well, another great episode. Hope you enjoyed episode 103, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our podcast, love it, you can subscribe. Simply go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, leave us a comment. You can actually go to bebullish.com slash questions. If you have a question for myself, Bob and Chris will answer all your questions right here on the air. And if this is on Spotify, you can like this. And if this is on YouTube, you can subscribe. You can like this episode. Click that notification bell to be updated every week of our new content. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Pain Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Pain Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,